are back with the Energy Captains, and normally you hear Cam's voice first, but I'm so pumped to kick off this episode today because I have one of my dear friends here, Allie McLeod, um, who works for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and in every way, Allie is someone that I admire and that sets the bar for all other human beings. So, Cam, I'm so excited that we get to sit down and, and have a conversation with Allie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. This is season two of the Energy Captain. So, Allie, if you didn't know, at first we were doing everything audio. Now it's visual. We have Allie McLeod from from the Lightning. So, I'm excited to get things going. And I saw a tattoo on your arm, Allie. What is that? Um, this is a little lightning bolt. It's actually the outline of the lightning bolt. That's such commitment to your employer. That and it's also kind of uh, Harry Potter-esque. So um. depending on the day, I change up my tune. But no, for real, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lightning bolt. It was my dream job long before I, I got it. So um, Really? Yes. Okay, so tell us from the beginning. You grew up in Tampa, and I'm actually permanently heartbroken that you and I never knew each other because when we met finally in adulthood we were it was like life was validated like I knew I was going to be okay because I had a friend like you and in the ups and the downs you are just you're so wise and you're always right about situations and I know I can always come to you and you you're my oxygen you saved the day so many times and so once I finally met you it was like my life changed so much for the better but I'm bummed we didn't know each other growing up. Tell me about your childhood here. Okay, <laughs> she, I, she's like, oh, you yeah. flattered me oh, so much. Yeah. We got roses from Allie. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, what a day. She's like, I forgot about the question. Yeah. Yeah, your childhood. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up here. I have a British mother and a father from Boston, so I wasn't necessarily tied to Florida, um, which is why I left. How did they meet? <laughs> Um, in England, actually. Oh, so casual. my dad ended up working over there running a hospital, and um, – my mother worked there, so that's where they met. Ended up back here, back there, back here, and they decided I was born in D.C. Actually, and then <laughs> um, once I was 18 months old, he had some opportunities, and he was like, "I'm not going to move my daughter around for her whole life." So Tampa was where we settled. Wow. Um, so I grew up here. Have you been back to Europe at all? Yeah, I used to go a lot, um, but most of my mom's family has since dissipated for lack of a better term <laughs> and, the um, their dissipated. analytics have died down opposite bell curve <laughs> so yeah you know anyway i don't know how we got on that uh, yeah. track but so did you grow up a diehard lightning fan did you like all the teams because you and i both still currently go to the bucks games with our dads and we're diehard uh, fans, season ticket holders, and I get to share those experiences with you. Yes. And it was cool because Cam used to be on the field when we were at those games. So, like, uh, yes. this is such a moment <laughs> yeah. here. It's very, very cool. I know. I'm, like, kind of fangirling still. I mean, I know <laughs> I've really? met you before, but it's like, this is really, really cool for me. And I appreciate that you brought me in. But I'm like, oh, my God, this is Because cool. you are a star and an um, energy captain. Yeah. So my dad wanted he'll if he hears this sorry dad but really long story short my dad really wanted a boy he got me I always tell him hmm, you came pretty close dude so uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I grew up a little tomboy and honestly that's just how my father and I bonded it was we would go to sports games and he would take me to the Bucks games and when Shaq was on the team we'd go to the Magic games and the Lightning games and sometimes the Rays games but not really my sport no no <laughs> offense to them go Rays they're dope I love them but it was really you like the high energy uh, hockey and football and um i remember actually when the lightning started to be more interesting than the bucks at one point 
No offense. Like like now or the uh, past few years, really. And I was like, wait a minute. I like hockey more than football. And I had like this existential crisis. I was like, I'm a Florida girl. Like, I can't like hockey more than football. Mm-hmm. What is going on? But um, what really happened was I was actually at a Bucks game with my dad watching the game when I was younger. And I was just so mad. And he's like, what is going on? And I was like, I'm just really upset. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm never going to experience the American dream. And he said, what What are you talking about? And I'm like too young to be this existential. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, I am never going to catch a touchdown in the <laughs> NFL. I know. We never get that chance. And I, I, I was so upset by this concept like I was like it's just not fair I'm not a little boy like I never get to catch a football in the NFL like I just I don't get the American dream by default to be fair oh, and to level wow. things That's now deep. Cam actually made it to the NFL did you ever catch a touchdown because that you didn't do that at your position not in, not in the NFL yeah in, so like look school. he made it and he still didn't so it's like <laughs> no, I think we can bad. reset the standards yeah. for making it so what he said to me though is something that resonated he looked at me and he said you might not be able to ca- catch that touchdown, but you can work in professional sports. And it, I don't know what it was, but that stuck with me for the rest of my life. And I just knew from that point on, I wanted to work in professional sports. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Had no clue how I was going to get there. But at some point in my life, that's what I was going to do. And it shows the power that dads can have on their daughters that, you know, you may not be able to be on the field, but there's so many ways you can impact the game. And dads empowering their daughters and believing in them and talking about those opportunities. I mean, now here you are. He completely changed the course of your life. Shout out to your dad. Hashtag girl dad. Hashtag girl dad. And your your dad is the best. He's pretty awesome. Wait, so describe your dad. What's he like? Amazing. He's He's a phenomenal human being who, he's like the definition of the person who believes in you when not only you're doubting yourself, but you're doubting yourself because the whole world doesn't believe in you. Everyone's putting you down. Everyone's calling you stupid. Everyone's telling you there's no way you can do it. And he's sitting there just saying, uh, you absolutely can. Like without him, there's no way I would have applied to the schools I applied to. Wouldn't have even thought to apply to the schools I applied to. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Columbia University you in New York City. Um, Snaps. And I <laughs> hand clap. <laughs> hand clap. Ivy League. Uh, but I have to give him a lot of credit for that because he pushed me. But he pushed me to see my value. Um, just a really great, supportive human being. And it shows the power that one person believing in you can have. You don't need a whole town. You just you had one person believe in you, and that allowed you to open every door that you encountered in life. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on women in sports? I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I think it brings uh, a diverse perspective that's well-needed to the game. Talk and- about how it's hard. Well, what's really funny, actually, uh, I feel Whitney and I have had these conversations before. Um, I actually, until recently, recently is probably the wrong term, but I never really noticed it. Like, I kind of float through life. Like, I live in my own world. She can kind of attest to that. Like, I don't really, like, pay attention to, like, the things going on outside. Like, if if it's not impacting me, I don't mean that in a I don't care about other people way. I mean, like, I don't let that stuff affect me. So it was never, like, I was never like, oh, this is happening because, like, I'm a woman. I never felt like that. The only thing, if anything, I remember thinking, oh, I got this job in analytics because I'm a female. And I was like, mm, that was easy. Like, I definitely got this because of that. And if anything, though, that's me downplaying, like, my value by thinking that. And I got very lucky that uh, my boss at the time happened to hear me say that. And he pulled me aside and was like, I want you to know that 
you did not get this because you're a female. You went up against an internal female candidate, and we really liked her. We thought she was the done deal, and then you came in and shocked everyone. Um, I want to cry. That's amazing. And I really appreciated that because, if anything, that was me being like, oh, <laughs> pays to be a female in this day and age because I'm checking that diversity box, which cracks me up that being a female is me being diverse. Um, so I thought that was really great on him. But you're slowly starting to see that there are those the tough sides of it. Um, it is still a good old boys club in many ways. And um, What time do you leave work on an average basis? Um, <laughs> last week, 1 a.m. Oh, what does a day look like for you? Chaotic. <laughs> um, it's like wake up to sun, like sun up, sundown. You know, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, what does that look like for you? Uh, it's different every day, which I love. Like, let me oh. let me say part of it is so that I don't get roasted. I was gonna say I was gonna <laughs> I, say it involves a lot of cats. I um, well, I love, I absolutely love what I do. So part of it is that you know, in any job you have, there's the whirlwind and all the stuff that you have to get done. But I am very big on finding value in everything I do. So. If I have a whole day where I've spent my whole day fulfilling other people's requests that to me, yes, they needed to get done, but they were just like, oh, I won't leave until I've also fulfilled some of what I find valuable. And I'll go out of my way. And that's on me. Like, you know, my boss isn't sitting there being like, you need to be here till this time. But I enjoy the kind of work that I do. So I want to dig deeper and I'll take that time. And sometimes, I mean, the arena is kind of peaceful late at night when I'm the only one there. The security guards do their rounds and then they're like, Allie, seriously, again, I'm calling down at midnight. Hi, can I go through this gate? It's Allie and analytics. <laughs> Just close the door behind you. Yeah. Um, Have you ever taken like a midnight skate out there? Like I put on a leotard and just done some tri triple axles. You know what? <laughs> That's a great idea. Let's live it out. I'm going to bring a costume, maybe <laughs> maybe one of my onesies. We'll put like a four-minute long program on the oh, the speaker and just let you do your thing. Absolutely. Like, like therapy. Yeah. I feel like I should. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wake up. Um, There's a lot of cats. I, I have three cats. Uh, and so what normally happens is Randy, I have Macho Man Randy Savage, who's a gorgeous tuxedo cat, oversized, <laughs> and he normally knows. Bless. He's very, very smart. So- he waits until I'm about to get up to shower to come do the snugs. Because the minute a cat comes to snug, it's like, well, I can't get up now. Yeah, can't go to work now. So I'm like, ugh. So I do the frantic scramble to get ready um, and then go in. And every, every day is different, which is really cool. I work with so many different departments and in so many different programs that um, it's never the same. This morning I took a time management class, LOL. Wow, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Obviously that kicked in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's I, it's all over the place, really. It's funny you say that. You said you're there at 12 o'clock calling the security guy. Like, that stuff Kobe did. Like, that stuff Drew Brees does. You know what I mean? Like nobody's, Ellie's a mambasita. Yeah, mambasita, right? Shout out to Kobe. Respect. But yeah. you're a mambasita, and that's really cool because you put that time in. You're – um. You what you're what professional athletes do. People don't realize that. But if you're in a profession, mm -hmm. you got to put time into it. If you love, you got to put time. You got to love it, and that's what you do. That's, late nights. I appreciate that because I feel like that's what so many people. I get a lot of, and Whitney and I talk a lot about this because, like, I get a lot of people who roll their eyes, like, "Why is she still here? Like, why is she doing this?" And it's like, you know what? Like, all of these entrepreneurs, they didn't get their clocking a nine to five. You know, like they just didn't. So it's like you can bash me all you want. Like I'm not. I'm not charging the company overtime. Like this is this is my personal time invested. Yeah, are there days where I don't want to be there that late? Are there deadlines that I think are unrealistic that 
we could divvy out differently, sure. But a lot of it is me putting that personal time in. And so when I hear the excuses from people that are like, oh, well, like, I ran out of hours. I didn't want to hit overtime. Like, you investing in yourself shouldn't be on the company dime anyways. Like, you should be wanting to do that for yourself to better yourself. So, like, when I get the eye rolls and the scoffs and stuff, I think of just what you said. The professional athletes that are clocking that extra time. I think of the people who've gone on to do amazing things. And then I always have talked to Whitney about this. I'm like, these are just going to be part of my story, like my adversity story, where it's like, I'll one day be up on that podium laughing about all of these nights because like sometimes it's not even being there late like I find it very peaceful I like it no one's around I can actually get stuff done but then I'll find myself I'll have that burst of tears because I'm like this isn't natural this isn't what people are doing like because society's beating it into you that like you're supposed to have this work-life balance and all this stuff and I'm just like you're carving out your own path to greatness and you're going to be so much above and have accomplished so much more than anyone. It just hasn't been done yet. There's no precedent for you because you're such a superstar. And so sometimes I think that gets hard and isolating that there's no one to look at to follow in the path of like you're having to find the the strength all within yourself. Yeah. And number one, you went to Columbia, right? You have number two, or let's go back. Your dad, number one, has helped um, bring you up, right? He's been the champion for you. Nats, when it comes to women in sports, that's why I asked you that. Men have to do that. That's a lesson to men. And number two, when it comes to what you do, right? The Tampa Bay, the Lightning were number one in the league last year. And the year before that, they went to the they were in the playoffs. They went to the chip. So, like, what you do, it's it's they pay, went it's to the what? They went to the chip. <laughs> what does that mean? Championship. Oh, is that what you call it? Yeah. Oh. Okay. We're going to the chip. We're going. Oh, because I sing that just every day of my life when I get up. Some people yeah. call it the Stanley Cup Finals, but whatever. Yeah. So you when you sing when you when you go to the championship, you like I'm going to the chip. Like I want to stay championship in my high school. Like oh, we're going to the chip. We're going. To- okay. All right. I'll <laughs> so this is okay. That and this is this is where this is where. <laughs> now I just want chips and dip. I know. Now <laughs> like, I'm hungry. Where's some queso? Yeah. Right. Right. Now I want the chips with the dip. That's funny. Um, <laughs> what are you like? What are you saying? Like what's the chip? On this okay. Thing. So so some some backstory. We have done some episodes on hockey before and cam and i have watched some some games and he says things like put the flag on the play throw the flag touchdown why is he using you know use your hands and so sometimes when he's referencing hockey i just want to dig a little deeper and get to the bottom of exactly what we're i accidentally blend hockey and football i'll be at hockey and i'll call also call it the 50 yard line people are like ali it's center ice i'm like i Listen, yeah. it's the I work for the team. I'm well aware. Okay, <laughs> let me live. Yeah, yeah, but y'all been to the chip. Y'all found success. So the analytics, right? You, what describe analytics? Describe that for the people who don't know. And and your title, market intelligence manager. I think they gave it to you because they just wanted to call out your intelligence and wanted that word in there. But what does that person do? Okay, so analytics. I think a lot of times when it comes to sports, they think of Moneyball or something where it's the the sports analytics side where they're actually evaluating the players and in baseball how fast they're throwing or you know something like that. So there we do have a hockey analytics team who are there working with. Oh, the that's players. what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, which is why I was like, okay, let's uh, oh, let's, let's see what he's oh. thinking. Uh, okay. Um, and then so we are on the business strategy and analytics team, so we're more on on the business side. And so that's kind of, there's the business side of the ticketing and the operations and the season ticket members and the single game buyers, but then also the, the concessions and how the arena runs and all of that paired with the fan experience. So I really oversee the survey strategy, the partnership analytics, but 
overall really enhancing the fan experience. So it's that market, the market intelligence manager, it's that market research aspect, understanding a the Tampa DMA, but also really understanding. I'm sorry, the what? Oh, sorry, the the Tampa designated market area, uh, okay. which is <laughs> yeah. I. Just throw just, just all those, those analytics acronyms. acronyms. Um, yep. And then, um, but also understanding our, like the lightning fan base, the lightning attendee base, and then also everything else that we've taken over the USF side, the Amelie arena events, the Yingling center events. And as that continues to expand that type of stuff. So we really, really utilize survey data to make changes and enhance that fan experience. But then also I work really closely with the partnership team on finding new opportunities, bringing in new partners, um, also showcasing um, the value of those partnerships, finding new inventory opportunities when they call it like traditional inventory, which in hockey would be those dashers along the ice. Like they're obviously key real estate. So they stay sold out in long-term contracts. So it's how do you find those new opportunities, which is where social comes in really handy and being able to find, you know, social campaigns that are season long and, you know, moving away from this world where people are saying, can you give me bonus on social? And being like, social's where the value is at. There's 19,000 seats in our arena. There's millions of people on social media. And like the power of that and being able to put partners in the right alignment and stuff like that. So Wow, and I feel like most people are just kind of in the sponsorship world, a little bit mailing it in. They're selling the typical assets, and it's so valuable for a partner to work with you because you're helping them actually get a return on their investment, and you're making sure that their investment pays off and, and that their marketing is working. Yeah, and you, like I said, y'all ranked, right, at the Lightning. And you were ranked in fan experience too, is yeah. it? The Can number you- one fan experience of any pro sports team. That's them. That's them hours. Those hours you put in, that's where it's going to. You're number one. You put that on your resume. Yeah, people don't realize one. you made that happen. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole article should have been about you. <laughs> She's like, I know. <laughs> she just don't want to say it. Yeah, but that's that's what you do it for, right? And that's that's really cool. It's like winning a chip, winning a championship. You won a chip, essentially, in the front office, in the front office world, in the in the whole world. By the way, you were number one in the world. And can you talk about, you mentioned a couple of speaking engagements you have coming up. So what are they and what do you do at that t- those type of events? So um, actually on Monday, oh, I hate to say this, Whitney, because I know uh, we're a big gator over here. Yeah, but, where's uh, the boo sound effect? <laughs> I will be speaking. FSU is having their first ever analytics summit. And wow. they uh, reached out to me and asked if I would go and speak. So proud of um, you. So that's cool. Mamba um, Sita. That's what And yeah, I think their head coach is doing his first speaking engagement. The new head football coach is doing his first speaking engagement. Bobby Bowden will be there. I'm kind wow. Of, kind of think that's cool, I love but. that you're on stage and they're in the audience. <laughs> Bobby Bowden is there to see you. Present. He's going to speak too, but mm, you know. After like, you. They asked me last week, I had one of my calls with the, the moderator who will be interviewing me and he was like, hey, so we want you to kick off the whole thing. And I was like, guys, <laughs> not a morning person, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I see y'all's um, And then... In the beginning, of like a week later, uh, the NHL does a, an analytics and business strategy workshop just with where it's just the analytics team from the NHL league and then all of the analytics teams from all the teams come together. Wow. But you're um, number one, so you're probably going to start that one then, out too. <laughs> they asked if I would come in and kind of just talk through our partnership analytics and stuff. A lot of the wow. teams aren't really doing what we're doing yet, so just getting. Because they don't have you. Getting mm-hmm. there. So, so like when you go to the FSU conference, what do you present on? That one, this is going to be, it'll, it'll be like a first of its kind. It's I, So far, I'm going to have one more call with them tomorrow, I believe, but it's right now seeming conversational. They just want to ask kind of how I got where I am, what Tell I your do, story. and yeah. kind of it. This one's going to be a lot of students, so helping to like 
give them any tips and tricks of what they can utilize what are to some try tips? and go out there. What are some tips for them? My whole thing is, so I'm big on the entire, I call it storytelling with data. That's how I position it. I call it translating data into dollars. Um, wow, that's so I put that on my resume so like a deep. big nerd. My, my <laughs> resume was a what's not to do guide. I mean, whew, I'll have to show it to you sometime. I it would is. love to see it. Ask Kenzie about it. Okay, wow. that doesn't strike me knowing you because you're so good with people and so conversational. I would think it would be, I don't know, like 74 different colors and like 3D and I don't it know. It was. Like, oh, okay. What's not to do guide. If you were to go to a resume <laughs> specialist, they would be like. But that's what makes you special. Exactly. You're not like everyone and else. That's what, that's what I said. I said I would, I, my, and this is what I tell young people too. I always say this because I've had people come to me and say, which resume would you go with? And I say, I would rather not be hired for who I am than hired for who I'm not. And wow, at the end those of, words to live by and for the, any partnership you have. Yep. For anybody you are. And I said, at the end of the day, like, you have to be comfortable with what you're presenting. Everybody's going to give you different advice. You're going to have the teachers that tell you you need to call until they answer. You're going to have the teachers that say don't bother them. You're going to have the people that say your resume needs to be all white. You're going to have the people who say your resume needs to have color pops. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, you could take one person's advice and the person you're sending your resume to feels the other way. So you have to go with what's right for you. Because otherwise, you're going to be like, well, I took that advice even though I wanted to do that. Literally, and the title of my book it. is You Are the First You. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so like, and I think that's why we bonded so much is because for in so many ways, we are not conventional. We're outside-the-box thinkers. We're creative. We like to uh, formulate our own path and um, create things that haven't happened before because we know what's going to work and what's best for the world in our own lives. But we were just shot down so many times and you know made to feel like who we are was wrong because other people didn't get that. Yeah. And that's what it is. So that's like my biggest piece of advice for people. And then the other one too is especially when it comes to young adults and kids trying to get into analytics, I always focus on like the storytelling aspect of it. I, and I remember when I was applying for this job, uh, the person at the time who was my boss, he, I mean, we had our phone interview and he had said, um, if I was to hire someone else, why would I hire them and not you? And I had never done like survey work before. So I just said, oh, I guess like, well, first of all, I'd never had a question like that. I was like, yikes. But I was like, okay. <laughs> I like paused and I said, um, if you were to hire someone else, maybe it would be because I've, I've never done surveys, but I was like, I'm a pretty quick learner. And I was like, but if you were going to hire someone because they had survey experience and I didn't, I would challenge you to make sure the person you're hiring can translate data to non-data people because that's something I can do and that's what a lot of people, that's the disconnect a lot of people in analytics have. And I think that that's like what's separating people now in the field because there's a ton of smart people out there. Like that's why Ivy League acceptance rates are so low. Everybody has that 4.0, like what sets you apart though? So it's like anybody, not anybody, but like anyone who's going for those jobs can crunch the numbers, they can do the analysis, but are they able to now take this and go to a salesperson and explain what that means so that salesperson who doesn't understand that can go sell it. Because if they can't, they're not going to use it, and then you're null and void. And to that point, we have a family friend who makes an exorbitant amount of money every month from all the clients that he works with because he goes into private equity firms, and he used to be a news broadcaster, and he takes he helps them take all their data and their touch points and all the numbers stuff and turn them into a storytelling so that potential buyers understand what they do. And he literally helps them make millions more on the sale because he helps them explain well and translate the numbers side of things so that people actually understand them. It's like he's turned this into a whole career. And that's why I say you are like an athlete, right? Because when it comes to sports, when it comes to the playbook, we have to be able to take something that 
nobody, if you look at a playbook, nobody knows what the heck it is. We have to take that and put it on display on the field at a high level. You know, that's what you do. You take the numbers, you take whatever data it is, and you do, you go in front of people and you explain and you kind of paint the picture of what you can do with this stuff right here. Absolutely. And that's why my advice is be true to yourself and tell the story with the data. And how did you end up in the analytics? Like at what point in your journey? <laughs> what? I have no clue. Um, <laughs> honestly, the way that you were like, intelligence, intelligence. Right. I thought the word was cool. Let's yeah. be honest. Yep, and I is. had so many haters that I was like, if I can get the word intelligence in my title, I'm like, I'm look at go me now. It. Exactly. Yeah, take <laughs> that. Right. What about, remember when you thought I was dumb? Huh? Look yeah. at you now. Yeah, mm-hmm. look what's in my, <laughs> my business card. Look scheme. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what? Yeah. No. Um, so, honestly, like I said, there was just something I always knew in the back of my head I, I wanted to end up in sports. Long, windy road. Ended up at Columbia. Went in econ. Um this is going to sound really weird, but I was really bored in the class. Like, I was captain of the math team in high school. I was, I always say I was a, <laughs> what math, a fun fact. mathlete and an athlete. Hey, oh, my God. Stop up. it. <laughs> um, captain of the math team, vice president of math honor society. And then this gets real weird. I took one math class in college. Seems and then like a drop off. That's it. Like, took one math class. Here I am in analytics. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Did you shy away from it for any particular reason? So I was like, econ, meh, I'm bored. So then I didn't know what I really wanted to be in psychology. I wanted to be an at-risk youth psychiatrist or psychologist. Which you'd be amazing at. You're a therapist for everyone. Um, Love my father, Bruce. Hope you don't listen to this. But he was like, I'm not paying for a psychology degree. Yeah. One thing that, and I, and I respect his decision at that time. So he is a little old school. My parents had me when they were older. And he was also in that old school mentality of like, your business, like the degree you get is what you go into. And it was just kind of that's, he was like, I'm not spending that kind of money for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was really funny because I was like, I have no clue what I'm going to do. And he's like, Columbia has a great film school. I'm like, hold on. So you'll pay for, okay. Took like one year out of those classes. I'm ADHD out the wazoo. I was like, I can't sit through these classes. I was yeah. like, dad, I'm wasting your money. Next thing I know, my dean's like, you're a junior. You haven't declared a major. <laughs> What's going on? And I love philosophy, but I was like, I can't do philosophy. The names of these philosophers are on these buildings. Like, this is too hard here. Right. But I was, I just love philosophy. I love the idea of different schools of thought and just, you know, being open to different opinions. And I just think, I don't necessarily know the memorization part of it. Like, uh, I know like one or two philosophers, actual philosophies. Yikes. Well, you are a philosopher. Your <laughs> name should be on those buildings. And that's what I always say. I'm going to be the next, uh, the next right. one. But you never know. know. No, you really uh, might be, though. No, it's going to be. <laughs> but um, so then somehow I ended up with my philosophy degree in a psychology concentration. concentration. Um, I don't know why I went there. But uh, yeah, so no math uh, with that degree. Ended up interning for a lady who used to work with Trent Tucker and we were just doing his golf charity tournament. So I love that. Like two of my biggest passions, professional athletes and nonprofits. Like in my perfect world, if I had them, like could, I would just work with nonprofits all day, every single day. It's like, it's my, that's, whew, love it. So I was like, this is awesome. And she was like, okay, like if you do well, I have a ton of connections in New York. So I was like, perfect. Well, through that, she ended up recreating her company. So I did that for like two years where we were just working with professional athletes who either had nonprofit foundations or wanted to align with them. So getting the right athletes aligned with the right foundations, which was amazing. And that was awesome being a young adult. But at some point, I was just ready to leave New York. I, I needed to get out after 18 to 25 was great. But like now it's time to go. Um, and then that's how I ended up in Nashville 
as uh, the sports planner slash strategist for Comcast Spotlight, which was the advertising branch of Comcast NBC Universal. In that role, I was training the sales teams to position sports to sell sports. So um, they're selling the ESPN, the NBC Sports Network, the Fox Sports Network, all of that type of stuff. I went in being like, I love football. This is going to be easy. It's in the South. I'm sitting in Nashville covering 13 markets in the South. And my boss was like, okay, your first task is golf. <laughs> and I was like, like what? what? Like, I don't know anything about golf. I don't like golf. And so she actually sat me down and walked me through, like, the visual imagery of golf and this and that. And that's actually where I got into market research and understanding, like, oh, okay, um, you know, people who watch the Golf Channel are X percent more likely to make $100,000 plus. And then getting into the, oh, okay, so why are people spending all this money to be in college football in the South if you're a Rolex dealer where your target audience is actually watching golf where you can get on it so much cheaper because there's so many less people watching it. It's like you would hit on the diamond in the rough and in terms a, of telling the story. And that was like, well, all of a sudden I was like, this is like a math game, mm -hmm. but like a word puzzle math game. And it was so fun because I was like, this is awesome. And what's crazy is we were in the South and no one was selling the golf channel. And like, that's where I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And then my market started selling out golf and then we did NASCAR and then we did the Olympics and we did the World Cup. And all of a sudden what happened was because I was on the marketing team, they're like, Allie, you're getting a little too into the data. <laughs> and I was like, but I love it. So honestly, I, <laughs> um, I just like, I found it. So, and that was where I got in the whole storytelling with data where it's like sports is such a passion sell. Like everyone's excited about sports. Like you're selling to people who are, they're excited. There's so much around it. But to then be able to back that excitement up with, with cold hard facts, like that's just a win-win. So that's how I got into that. And I then... wish I loved anything as much as you love data. And the passion that just came across this table in that moment talking about numbers was just, I don't know. I'm like, oh, it was like a tidal wave. Yeah, I mean, she was the math cap math captain. I mean, she she does this. She does numbers. That's yeah. what she does. So Things that... I think she's just like M A T C A T cats. Matt. So I think it's just like <laughs> things that begin with yeah, uh -huh. that rhyme. Yeah. And you love you and you love odd numbers. So you're you're a numbers whiz, but you love odd numbers. Why is that? Um, I don't know. I, okay, I'll give my mom a shout out here since she hasn't gotten any love in today. Um, I actually think I started as number twelve when I played basketball back in the day, and then I joined a team, and some girl was number twelve. And maybe this is why I don't like even numbers. And I cried like a little brat. You know, wah, wah, wah. I was really sad. And a number 11 was available, and I didn't want to be number 11. And my mom was like, you're tall, and you have long legs. So think of it as, like, oh, your you're two an 11. legs. Oh. And so for some reason, that stuck with me. And so I always loved number 11. And maybe that's why I don't like number 12, because someone took it from me. I don't know. But oh. then Wait, odds Stranger, Stranger Things, is it the girl's na no, name? No, name It is 11, but I've never seen Stranger Things. You've never seen Stranger Things. Wow. When you watch it, then we'll, we'll, talk, we'll chop that up. You might be 11 from Stranger Things. That's really cool. Is she a quirky bird? But yeah. Okay. Y'all might. It, I mean, I think of you as so great and amazing and inspiring. It's funny you think of yourself as quirky because I'm. I think you set the bar for all others. She's the superhero of the movie of the show, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, definitely never. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely eleven. Yeah, she's a rock star. So then, so you're you're from Tampa. Your dream job was always to work for the Lightning. How do you end up back here? Once you're in Nashville selling golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so. I um I would always come home. That was one of the things where I'd come home a few times a year to go to box games with my dad, to go to Lightning's games with my dad. And during the playoffs especially, I'd fly home for a game in each round. And I'd been eyeing jobs for a while. 
but I never really pulled the trigger. My resume hadn't been updated and all of that. And I loved Nashville. Nashville was absolutely amazing. I came home, um, I think it was 2016 during the playoffs, went to a game and it was just the it was just amazing. Electric. It was, oh, and I was like, oh, and I'd been eyeing this position, and it was business intelligence manager, which is not the position I ended up. But with. it does sound similar to what you're and doing. And I remember being like, okay, I have to do it. And I had actually just finished reading. Somebody had recommended Eat That Frog. Have you ever heard of Eat That Frog? No. Okay, great book. Okay. Um, it's all about like the frog is like the one thing that you like have been putting off and putting off and putting off. But like, if you were to eat that frog, everything would change for you. Wow. Like it's the thing you really need to do to like make a really big impact. And my frog had been updating my resume because that's what was paralyzing me because I didn't want to apply to my dream job until I had my perfect resume, until I had my perfect cover letter. Like I, I become a little bit of a, a, a tune town when it comes to this kind of stuff. So that next day I sat on my parents' balcony. I, I think I wrote my cover letter, which is, oh, that's a story for another day. Um, I have since, since then reread that cover letter and like scream cried laughing. I look like the guy from you, like a creepy stalker. I do not know why. Your passion even, came across. It, wildly. Like I should, there should be a face that's like, don't let her in the arena. <laughs> like it was like, I am reveling in the epic magic of last night's glory. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am writing this cover letter from my parents' balcony that overlooks the arena. <laughs> reveling. Oh, I am was, in your office now watching you read this. Wild. Yeah. But I mean, I also was like, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you why I'm a match for you, why you're a match for me, and why we're a perfect match for each other. It was whatever. It's amazing. It you me, went for it. It yeah. took me like six hours to write just the cover letter. I think I took like 12 hours to update my resume, but I ate the frog. And so like, I will always attribute that book. I finally was like, time for the frog. Um, but so I applied and then I get an email back like right away. And, and the guy was like, I'm really sorry. That position was filled a month ago. It shouldn't have been on there. And honestly, the position I was not fit for. I was like, oh, half this sounds good. I don't know what Python is. What kind of snakes are these? I don't even like snakes. They scare me. I'm not trying to work in that. Um, but he was like, there's a position that we haven't had before. We haven't even posted it. But based on your cover letter and your resume, I think that like you could be a great fit. Take a look. If you're interested, let me know. I read this thing, and I was like, a job like this exists. It was Honestly, your soulmate. I, I like I could cry thinking about it. I was just like, is this a joke? Like I have to get this job. And then I was like, if I don't get this job, like the world is against. This is not fair. Like I have been robbed. You knew you were meant for it. Yeah. yeah and you, that was you put your heart out there, and I mean it. The world like returned it. You know what I mean? Like now you're doing what you want to do. I mean Whitney takes her shots all the time, and you took your shot. And that's Whitney. What, what's your story? But the uh, you're at the gate for Gary V, and you saw something in the in the newspaper. Oh, well, I ordered a pizza to the gate, um, which I think is always an important important part of the story, um, at LaGuardia. And while I was eating the pizza, I just needed something to do because it was a big pizza. <laughs> and um, they have iPads at the gates. And so I'm like, all right, I'll play around on this. And I'm a news junkie. So I started reading the New York Times. And that day, VaynerMedia was the first story. And it's like you said, I had that moment where I knew it was where I belonged. And it's interesting. People always say to me, where, where do you see yourself in five years or what are your career dreams? I'm like, I don't think that you can predict your dream jobs or what you're meant to do. I just think that I always say it's kind of like a spouse. Like you don't you can't predict it, but you have to know yourself well enough that when you see it, you know that that is the perfect opportunity for you. And that's what you're meant for. 
So I got on the plane, figured out Gary's email address, uh, wrote him a note and said, you know, I just read about you at Gate D4 and I need to come work for you. Here's my resume. Like it was that same, like, this is what I know. (laughs) Thank you. It was just like, it was that moment where you you just don't get it that often, but I had such clarity that that's where I was meant to be. And I wanted that to come across in my note. And I'm just appreciative that he was willing to take the time to read it. And, you know, similar to your story, it's like you can shoot all your shots, but someone has to be there to open the door. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it was a lot like what you went, I mean, and it's like, I'm sure compared to any other candidate, they did not see the same passion that, that you were bringing to the table. Oh, real talk. I was convinced. I was like, cause I know when you do a new position, they are required to bring someone externally. Like you, if you're, if it's a new creative position, they can't just hire internal. I was like, I'm pretty sure they're like, oh, let's just bring this kook in. Like she's got a funny cover letter, wild resume. Let's bring her in for the entire like in the shape of an value. ice skate or something. Yeah. yeah. I would, we now have to see your resume knowing that. I mean, well, I had X's. I drew my own. I hand wrote my own X's and O's to be like a playbook, and then I superimposed them onto the resume. That's <laughs> genius. Dope. I mean, yeah. I liked it. it was oh great. my god, that's epic! <laughs> wow, you're, re- you're you're really special. Well, when people ask, they'll be like, "Hey, can I?" And I was like, "I'll always tell like younger kids. I'm like, you can see my resume. I was like, but don't emulate it. It's yeah. not you. So like, it's not gonna work." Right. And wow. then you, after you got the job and you moved back here, then you win Rookie of the Year. Oh. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners wow. about how that happened and then what that honor means? Mamacita. That was that was really cool. So um, I I don't know how I guess it happened because I because your greatness. I, it, I I got my dream job and I I worked very hard. But but I mean from day one it was just very exciting. Um, got to have my hands in a lot of projects from day one. What's really cool I will say about the Lightning front office is you really do have um, access to all of the execs. I mean I was sitting my. The office I was in was right next to our CRO's office, which was two doors down from our CEO's office. So, you know, it's not like... Well, they knew you're meant to be in that line of people. (laughs) It's not like they're behind a closed door and you don't get to see them. um, And that's what I always say to even my direct report. When she puts something together, I say anything you put together, you need to expect our CEO to see. So make sure it's good. Um, And I remember when I got uh, Rookie of the Year... Gosh, to get Rookie of the Year for your dream team in your dream job. Is that, that was, the best moment career-wise that's happened so far? Uh, it was pretty epic. And then, and well, by the way, Rookie of the Year, they pick one employee that year to give this honor and this to. Is the top, this is a top team, too. It's not like a slap team. This is an awesome team. You got Rookie of the Year on a top-tier team. Yeah, and then what was – I think my favorite part, though, aside from getting it, was – um, at that, so they do a best of the bolts dinner, which is honoring people who've been there a long time, the manager of the year, the rookie of the year, um, getting to take my dad, which was the greatest experience because I, I, I was, I was so cute. I, I was so cute. Look at me boasting. Um, uh-huh. I made you are him, so cute. I made him a card and when it opened up, I literally on one side said, you've been number one since day one. There's no one else I'd rather share this with. And then I did the whole, will you do me the honor of being my date and check yes or no, like a little like kindergarten kid for like the dates. It's so. amazing. And it, that moment was so full circle because we started out talking about how you were devastated that you didn't think you'd ever get to play on the field. And here you are, your dad believed in you, and then you become Rookie of the Year, which is an honor that yeah. is given in the NFL, and you made it happen when it was impossible. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. And I had a similar moment when I took my mom to Hawaii in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, Cam cried. <sighs> yeah, on the plane, oh. full tears. And, like, you know, in the plane, had that little middle section. Yeah. So I was like, I did it. Like that was like I was like I did it like whatever how however many practices since I was eleven years old until twenty five years old 
I made it. I did it. Like, this is it. It's I'm good. It's worth every single, it's worth every late night, every every missed social event, everybody telling Every like, door closed. Everybody every- telling you you're never going to make it. Everyone that, it, and, oh, it just, but that makes it so much better mm-hmm. to me. Yep. How have you been able to persevere and keep this amazing person that you are and where you know in your soul what's right with all kind of the people in the world who are just mediocre and tried to bring you down or didn't believe in you or had, you know, jealous words. How did you get through all of that? I mean, so I, I mean, I've definitely said you, you struggle, you have your setbacks for a minute. I, um, I try to take a very empathetic route. I think when people are nasty, I really do. And I'm not just saying this. I really do try to put myself in their shoes first. And I think like if somebody is coming at me from that, unless I have done something, like if I can think that if I've done something where I can think that like I could have hurt them or this or that, then that's a different story. But if I if I'm like, what, I, I I'm like okay something's probably going on in their life. Like this is a reflection on them. Um, maybe they're just a horrible person, or they're going through something and I don't know what it is. And it's not my job to make them feel worse about it. But it's you know I'm not going to change their opinion. Um, and I also find it it's kind of like my fuel. Like I. I, I guess I have a bone to pick with the world, but like my you have a lot of haters. It sounds that's what it sounds Cam like. Cam says you love the haters. I was I, uh, I was bullied pretty bad growing up oh, in man. college. It was pretty rotten. Mm. Um, I don't know how you had the strength to get through what you did, and you you know everyone was clearly just so jealous of the amazing, confident person you are, and it's just I just I don't know how you you got through through those times. Hurt people, hurt people. Well, Whitney exactly. When he always says that, and that's and I I read something the other day actually that was talking and it was like, how are you so kind to a world that's been so un, like unkind, unkind to you? you? Mm-hmm. And it was literally like the the person's response was because the world's been so unkind to like because I know how it feels. Yeah. To do you be treated do you want to make way. someone else feel? And the that's way my you... whole thing. It's like you just don't know. Like you really don't know what that person's going through. And I would hate to be the person. I would hate to be the straw that broke somebody else's camel's back. And you know what? The other thing too is every once in a while, you have that person that comes at you, and if you just treat them with kindness, once in a blue moon, you'll see their whole story pivot, and it's like their smile cracks, and then they're telling you you've just changed their whole out, oh, outlook and maybe they've had the worst and then they're opening up to you and it's like, I just like making people feel good. Like I really do. Like that's like my version of currency. It's like if I can make somebody feel worthy, feel good, especially someone who like doesn't have that confidence, like that's all I want. I want everybody to know that they're worthy of love and that they deserve love. And I feel like this world is just meant to beat us down. But that's how like the world works. That's how the media works. That's how advertising works. That's how every, like our, the world is catered to make you hate yourself so that you buy these products so that you do this. And there's a lot of people who just like don't have that mental resilience. So and I'm I've just, seen it on a, a personal level that you are completely changing the world and changing lives single-handedly. And, you know, I, we were talking before, but even when I had sinus surgery, I've had good days, I've had bad days. With how busy Allie is and working, you know, through the middle of the night, she still finds time. Like these unbelievable gift bags will show up at my apartment with the most thoughtful gifts and on each gift has a reason and a note. And it was like, it would take someone a week to just run around full time and compile these gifts. And she's done it in her sleep. And every time it just brings tears to my eyes because you feel like you're the lucky one to know Allie and to have her in your life. And it's like you, your whole life changes because she's in it and she's just so generous and such a gift that I've seen the impact it makes on me. And it's like, you're just that that's the effect it has if you know her and you're in her sphere. Okay, well, literally, I'm going to cry because that's exactly how I feel about you. So, like, 
heart breathing deeply. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. That's I mean, you got us some roses. Um, this has been this has been one of the better I think. Podcasts oh my gosh, that we've you had. had so many amazing pieces of advice, and the thing is that we always talk about you know Cam playing in the NFL. You know, people think playing pro sports is is your purpose, but really it's your platform to your purpose. And similar to an athlete, you have this amazing vehicle that you're on here and, you know, you've been able to touch a lot of people because you've worked in pro sports and because you're with the Lightning. But it gives you an opportunity to share all these pieces of advice that when people listen to this episode and interact with you, you completely set the bar on how to live and touch them and change their lives and are making this world a better place via your platform. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, I think when you were sitting in the stands watching the Buccaneers catch those touchdowns, like you're doing more than that. And I don't think you realize it. You know what I mean? You're just by speaking to someone like you've you're rookie of the year, right? Like a Patrick, you're like a Patrick Mahomes of the front office. Like you won championships, you've won rookie, you've done all those things, and you're changing lives. You're you're catching touchdowns. Like you're catching touchdowns. That's what you're doing. And I was going to say, too, you may not have been able to play the specific position that you looked at and you thought you wanted to be, but you have been able to have the same impact and changing the world the way someone who catched touchdowns would do. Mm-hmm. And I get to crush math. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's hilarious. That's, I'm glad you're excited about that. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I support your passion wholeheartedly. Well, Allie, you've changed our world, and this has been such a blessing of an hour to have you on, and so grateful you took the time. I don't even know how you found another hour in the day I, to come and be here. You sent me that message. I was like, calendar blocked. I mean, it Are was you- like, I couldn't believe it. I thought there was no, I literally wrote her, I was like, I know there's no chance. I know there's a 0% chance that you could come be a guest. And she was like, I'll be there. And you're like, this I, is what makes Allie so special, is that she makes time for everyone in her world. I make time, for, uh, let me pivot that. I make time for what's important. Um, I'm trying to get better about getting rid of the minutia, but seriously, like when you find people, by the way, who are as special as these two, you make time for that. You don't, you. you don't turn down opportunities like this and it's time to spend time with you guys just in general. Well, I was we feel very, like very, the lucky ones to yeah. have you here today. Yeah. Like this, this we're, we, I'm leaving on cloud nine because this was just the most amazing are you kidding? experience getting to talk to you and hear your story and your words of wisdom. And you're just, you're so incredibly inspiring and this is only the beginning. You have so much more greatness. Like, I cannot wait to see what happens. You are just one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. That's yeah. how I feel about both of you. Aww, I'm thanks. serious. I was like, oh my gosh, I listened to this. And I was like, what am I going to even talk <laughs> hey, about? Hey, we have a listener. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. We love it. All right. Love you tons, Allie. Thank thanks you. for being on. Thank you, Allie.